Hello and welcome to Careers Unlocked. Um, I'm Sean, the programme lead for the North for EY Foundation and I work directly with young people. For those of you that don't know, the EY Foundation is an independent charity supporting young people on free school meals to get paid work experience, employability skills training and career guidance to heighten their opportunities in the world of work. We do this through a variety of programmes and partnerships and we also support social entrepreneurs. Today, we'll be lining up the current hurdles many have to jump over to enter the world of work. We'll take a look at the social factors that might discourage a young person from applying for a job and the economic fissures that might make some careers unachievable for a young person. But to have a go at dismantling some of those hurdles, we're going to need some help. and I'm very excited to welcome our two guests for today. Our first guest is Gertrude Tremor. Gertrude is a member of our Youth Advisory Board at EY Foundation. She is in her second year at the University of Warwick studying law. She is a current Law City Ambassador where she is part of the events team. She's also supported on the Warwick Death Penalty Project during her first year of university, supporting American lawyers in their ongoing work on capital punishment cases and was an EY Foundation programme intern this summer where she assisted in running programmes for young people facing barriers to the workplace. She also helped them develop their employability skills. What an introduction. Welcome, Gertrude. Thank you. And our second guest is Nathaniel Pete. Nathaniel is a multi-award winning entrepreneur, international speaker, business coach, engineer and pilot. He is the co-founder of GenX Solar, which provides innovative renewable energy products in Africa and the Caribbean, and the founder of The Safety Box. The Safety Box provides training and development programs that aim to reduce youth violence and help young people develop important skills in leadership communication and conflict resolution. In 2021, he became the chairman of Brunel University Business School and was invited by Lloyds Banking Group to sit on their Black Advisory Board. Nathaniel is a former EY Foundation trustee and currently serves as one of our patrons. Great to have you with us here, Nathaniel. It's good to be here. It really is awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, both of you. That is quite an introduction. You have both done some amazing work, clearly, and we're very excited to hear more from you throughout our podcast. Um, So to start off today, we want to think about barriers. Now, barriers to the workplace is a big topic and understanding what employees value must surely differentiate from company to organisation to charity. So I'd like to start by asking you both. What comes to mind when you think of barriers to the workplace? Um, Gertrude, if you'd like to go first. Um, I think when I think of barriers to the workplace, I think of factors that prevent um, people from entering or progressing within the work environment. Okay. And, and do you have any idea of what those sort of factors might be? Are there any factors that are particularly personal that you've come across in your time? Yeah, um, I think some factors include social inequality. So, for instance, going to a private school um, versus going to like a state school, um, even attending a non-Russell group university can be one. 
I'd also say a lack of experience, which I found to be a double-edged sword. Coincidentally, I was having a conversation with a friend who is graduating this academic year, and she was talking about how she's struggling to get experience in the field she wants to enter because of the lack of experience that she has. But in order to gain the experience, she needs experience. And so it's kind of this cycle of going back and forth. Um, And in addition to that, there are many competitive fields as well and um, you realise that you need to know certain people or have certain contacts and build a certain network in order to gain certain opportunities. I'd also say that economics is a big factor as well. Not being able to afford certain experiences or courses or having to find alternative jobs rather than going to your desired career due to the importance of financial stability. And I'd even say imposter syndrome as well. Because um, I think a lot of young people don't actually see how much they have to offer as an employee or especially if they're going into a field where they have um, they've never seen anyone around them enter that field. They can feel as though they don't deserve their position in the place that they're in. And yeah, those are the factors that come to mind. Yeah, and those are the ones that just come to mind. But of course, there's so many more. And the ones that you've described are incredibly difficult to overcome, Um, especially the we want experience, but we can't give you experience until you've got experience concept, which consistently baffles me. Um, But thank you for sharing that, Gertrude. And and, and Nat, what about you? What comes to mind when you think of barriers to the workplace? Well, really, it's a dovetail off of what Gertrude said, in fact, you know, because a, a lot of this is around employer perceptions around young people's abilities. And then as a result, where you've got smaller enterprises, medium and small enterprises, which have a lack of entry level jobs available because of that perception and that they might think, oh, do you know, what? I need someone that, I need someone that has got a bit more experience or more talent, et cetera, to go into that, that job. So it's a perception of fact that is a problem, I believe, um, which is a key blocker to a lot of young people actually getting into employment with smaller employers. Um, you know, you find a lot of large organizations which will have lots of entry level opportunities, but then small employers want someone to come in directly with that level of experience. And so I think a way around that is actually to create a different type of narrative, um, you know, to to give them the ability to access things like kickstart schemes that have gone before or apprenticeship schemes that will give them support framework around those young people to help them with the training that is necessary, where these organizations might not be able to actually invest heavily in that support of learning development, then with the government help or even charity sector support, they can actually assist young people into work. But, you know, also, I think another barrier um, that exists, again, with the affordability in fact, where if a young person wants a particular type of job, the ability to travel to that job, they live across London, but the university degree that they've got is going to position them at that company, which is all the way over there. <laughs> but the inability of the cost itself, especially as we are now facing such a huge recession ahead of us as a result of COVID and the borrowing that the government's had to you know, do as well as the issues that as in society economics at the moment. You know, I believe that this is going to become an increasing problem for young people um, when they're living in Croydon and have got to get over to, let's say, I don't know, West London or North London 
London, the time they've got to leave to actually get to work on time and the cost which it's going to you know, make, as well as the issues around transport with these train cancellations, being able to get a cab to work and the worry of that, which then that worry and that anxiety then stops them from applying. So it's a belief then that they're not going to be able to do it because of those factors of limitations that they've already placed on themselves. Oh, I live too far or the affordability. What if there's a train strike? Will I be able to get to work? You know, so all of these things are are barriers. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is really changing perceptions. It's understanding that um, there is access to financial help. There is access to, to grants and schemes that they can plug into. I think also the youth bulge in terms of young people which um, not necessarily going to university, but want to start working immediately. They want to get into the labor market. They want to do it. And so there's a number of young people. And I think the, the sheer volume as well of young people that are applying for positions within companies could also be a blocking factor for young people because they think, oh, do you know what? There's so many people applying. I'm probably not going to have a chance. And so that competitiveness is not inside of them because of that self-esteem, again, which has been pulled away because of many of the limitations that Gertrude's mentioned and also some of the factors which I've said. Absolutely. And I think all those factors are tough for anyone of any age. But of course, in this case, we're talking about young people just starting their career, having to go through all of those different challenges. So um, I'm really glad that you've been able to articulate some of them because, yeah, it it is hard. And and what is it about this issue, um, Nat, that is important to you? Well, it's really important that young people have pathways into employment because, I mean, one of the main issues around youth violence, uh, main issues around, you know, young people falling into a life that is not successful is underpinned by poverty. And of course, poverty, it has so many consequential effects on on youth and, and on society. Um, and, and criminality is something that, if especially if they're in a deprived community, I mean, the EY Foundation does a great deal of work working with young people that come from marginalised communities, that come from these communities in London where oftentimes youth don't get the same opportunities as other places. And so, yeah, this is, the, this is why, you know, the foundation's work is so critical because getting a young person into work is so valuable now to them um another blockage is a skills mismatch in fact because they might see a job advert and think that they can actually do that they say okay i might i I should be able to do that but when they actually go to the job what's written on the job description online is not what they're doing in the company you know and then what happens is when they're in the company they have all of this pressure well-being issues with mental health now because they're not able to cope. Also, neurodiversity is such a huge issue in some companies which do not have the neurodiverse software for dyspraxic individuals, young people that have had that support framework, let's say in primary school and secondary school, but then they're going into the workplace and they haven't got the software on the computers. All of these things are are real issues and and it's so critical that young people get into work to avoid all of these negative um, things around not being able to buy food or pay their bills or go to a particular location. Yeah, totally important issue to us all. I really like the point you make on the job descriptions because equally on the other side some job descriptions put so much in there it puts people off applying to start with when in reality they don't even need as much as the job description says on the flip side so it can can go both ways Gertrude for you your currently in your second year of university studying law mm-hmm. um i appreciate this can be a both 
exciting time and quite a nerve-wracking time um wanting to make sure you can study and also enjoy the experience as much as possible whilst also making sure that you end up in a good position for your final year and for your career beyond that um so how have you found balancing all of these different things whilst in uni it's definitely a lot to be honest um so right now is the peak of application season and so everyone like there's a lot of anxiety around everyone's trying to do applications but in addition to that a lot of people are trying to get graduate roles as well and graduate jobs so that they have like a job ready when they're finished and those are extremely competitive and so yeah there's a lot of anxiety around but I think even for me because as of now I want to eventually qualify as a barrister and I want to go into the bar and law already is really competitive and it's hard to get your foot into the door but even going into the bar is a really significant thing in itself um like i've had many people discourage me from entering but it's not because they don't think i'm capable but they think that it's too inaccessible i can't remember what i was reading but i know that like only 7% of the population is um privately educated but 71% of barristers are from private schools and so that's kind of daunting and scary as well and um in addition to that when you're applying for applications it can be really hard because receiving rejection after rejection after rejection can be so demotivating and you don't want to try anymore you don't want to continuously go through that process I've spoken to a lot of people um, around me and even during my internship this year as I was working on the programs team even the young people I was working with they'd ask me the same thing Gertrude how do you deal with being rejected I don't want to apply for certain things because I feel as though I've been rejected from everything or I get to the final stage and then they reject me from the there and that in itself can be really discouraging and it can also have an impact on your mental health as well because it affects the way you perceive yourself and I've seen um, a lot of people around me have been able to you know get experiences through their network or through the people they know and I think a big issue is that even in I'd say even during secondary school years or even during sixth form and even with some people in university, they're not taught the importance of networking or how impactful that is. Fortunately, um, I've understood this through the people around me and through the spaces I've been in as well. But a lot of people, they don't understand that it's not only about what you know, but a lot of the time it's about who you know too. And I guess that's playing a major impact as to how I feel about my post-uni prospects. Um, but, you know, I guess on the brighter side, there are social initiatives and programs that have been created in order to help, you know, students from disadvantaged backgrounds or low socioeconomic backgrounds like myself. So, for instance, as you mentioned in the beginning, I'm an ambassador for Law City UK and I work on their events team. And they just want to ensure that, you know, young people that are from disadvantaged backgrounds are given the opportunity to network and also they create events to help provide them with the skills and knowledge that they need in order to enter the world of law and even in January they had an event and they did it for free and the event was a networking event for 
lawyers, like solicitors, barristers, and also students. I went to this event and I met a barrister and she even encouraged me to continue to pursue my dream in the bar. And through that, I managed to connect with her on LinkedIn. And she's even offered me the opportunity to shadow her sometime this month. And so um, honestly, I can even testify that it's amazing. And also 10,000 Black interns, they work with a magnitude of companies and even lots of my friends have managed to get experience from them this summer many of my friends they did their internships to 10,000 black interns and yeah I've just seen how beneficial it's been and even um, bridging the bar as well with bridging the bar they offer so many opportunities events that help build your knowledge of the bar and also help you um, have you know first-hand insight and experience as well so I guess to answer the question in one sentence how am I feeling about my prospects um it's daunting however I do feel hopeful I do consider myself as someone who perseveres but it is still daunting Absolutely. And for any young people that are currently listening, I hope they are taking notes because some of the things that you've described there, um, like your, your networking example and the prospect of being able to shadow that person, um, they're really, really good examples of things that people should take advantage of where they can because, yes, it is tough. So please, you know, for anyone listening, take all those support systems uh, and make use of them. Really, really good advice, Gertrude. Thank you so much. So did you know, Youth Employment UK published a youth voice census in 2021, which delved into the experiences and apprehensions of young people in the UK applying for work. From the responses, the census identified the top three barriers young people felt they faced when applying for work. So let's go for one guess each, uh, and then I'll tell you the full three. But what would the number one be for each of you? Nathaniel, do you want to go first? Um, I would probably say maybe maybe self-belief. Self-belief. Okay. And Gertrude, what would you go for? Yeah, I was going to say go along the lines of self-belief. I'd say imposter syndrome, maybe. Okay. Cool. So the census revealed that the top three answers um, were anxiety, number one, number two, lack of work experience, and number three, location. And I think you've both certainly already touched on, well, all of those three. Um, So clearly they are front of mind. So although 33% of young people in education who responded to the survey believed they understood what skills employers were looking for, the young people themselves did not rate themselves as strongly skilled in those areas. And only 37.5% of young people surveyed confirmed they had the option of work experience in school. And of those, less than 65% actually took up the opportunity of work experience, linking into number two. Uh, and more worryingly, just under 10% of the young people asked believed they were able to find quality work where they lived. So that comes down to the location as well. So thinking about that kind of current situation and how things are, Gertrude, what do you think of some of those statistics mentioned so far? Are you worried about leaving university and entering the workplace? And what might be the biggest barrier for you personally? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, I'm not surprised at all because um, even when I have discussions with my friends, those are the three things that come up all the time. I guess what that's emphasised to me 
is, you know, the importance of this thing that keeps coming off is work experience, work experience, work experience, work experience. Because I guess that I'd say like 10 to 20 years ago, it was more emphasized that, oh, you get a degree, but now your degree isn't enough, you know? And even if you have your undergraduate degree, it's like get a master's. And even after that, you need to still be building your experience. And I guess the anxiety also stems from the fact that it's so hard to find experience because many industries are very competitive. And in addition to that as well, yeah, they're just lots of the industries are just very competitive. And I guess that's where my anxiety um, stems from as well. But I'd also say that my anxiety would also stem from being seen as inferior or inadequate due to my age. And um also feeling as though I'm not meeting the criteria of the job description as well. That's what I'd say. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that's uh, really helpful to see the numbers, but also hear your personal experience and see how they tie in with each other. Um, Nathaniel, you come across a lot of young people in your differing roles. What have you found the most surprising about how they perceive the barriers they face? And as an employer, what do you find difficult and what do you think works well? Um, I go with the same thing that I said just a while ago is actually belief in self as one of the most, I would say, common themes. Um, the lack of you know, resilience, in fact, after a knockback, which completely depletes any motivation for some people that have a low self-esteem, even though they may have done so well in their studies, even though they might have really achieved the highest grades possible. If that self-belief is not there, then it can really be a, a huge challenge. And, and working with a lot of young people, it's all, always about building that self-esteem. It's always the advice which we give is, you know, watch motivational content, go and get something on motivation on YouTube and just watch it. Um, read stuff uh, that is about leadership and building your self-esteem, understanding your capabilities. For example, if you're capable of doing this, you know, if you're loved, all of these types of things, it's going to lift their self-esteem. And it's that level of confidence that is required to actually go and, and, and attack the working place, you know, and to attack a job. As an employer, if I've got a young person sitting in front of me, and they're not showing me this type of effort that they really want to do the job. They haven't actually got into the research around the company. They 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 don't really know the sector very well. They've they've literally just sent the CV out without an intention, just sending the CV out just to get a job. <laughs> and I think that desperation in itself has taken the focus away from young people. And so this is another gap that I see with young people is that the focus isn't there. Um, you can't really go for a job without that real thorough research around a company or an organization. And if you're going in desperation and you're reaching out to everyone and you're sending your CV everywhere just because you want to get a job, you know, and you, you get an interview, then you're going to fail at that interview. And then the knockdown from that, and because of that lack of focus, the amounts of no's which they get then creates this negative emotion that takes away their motivation to then want to apply for another job you know so as an employer um it, it's you need to see that edge in the young person you need to see a gertrude you know <laughs> that you know understands the network she can plug into and also i just want to follow up on what um she said she said something about it, it is who you know i'm going to reverse it a little bit as an employer I'm going to say it's not necessarily who you know, 
It's who knows you. Because the thing is, when you apply and you make a mark and you leave an impact, guess what? That person that's in that senior role will remember you. And that is important for the young person to build as much assets that they have in their social skills. If they don't have experience, you need to find something else. If you haven't got the work experience, you need to build your character somehow by basically getting some content, digesting that. Remember this statement I'm going to say now. Those who read are the ones that lead and the ones that lead are the ones that succeed. Because the more you upskill yourself through all of these strategies of how to work better with individuals, the power of networking, all the things Gertrude just said, you know, um, of how to talk and how to sell yourself, then you're going to be struggling because if you've got two people that have got a first class honors degree, one of them doesn't have that edge that you need in a company and the other one does, it is the person that does that is probably going to get the job because both of you look the same on paper. And, and so, you know, these are things that as an employee, you kind of look for. It's that tenacity, it's that, that effort, it's that drive, it's that knowledge of the company, it's, you know, it's that willingness to show that they've got the effort. And I think if more young people built their resilience and built their self-esteem and built their confidence by just digesting all of this stuff, I think, you know, we'll be in a different space in society because, you know, it raises your whole, it raises your whole mood as well, you know, when you're, when you're motivated, when you're inspired, it raises your up game a little bit, you know what I mean? So you're able to give a little bit more when you go to that interview. Absolutely. Some real good pieces of advice there, Nathaniel. And I'm hoping that people will be taking notes or just, you know, rewind the podcast and take down that information again because, you know, watching videos on motivation, I really like the statement that you said on, tell me if I get this right, those that read are the ones that lead and those that lead are the ones that succeed. Is that correct? That's right. Exactly. That's the one. So I'm hoping people take away that advice um, on, on, onwards with them. things are changing and change is normally hopefully a good thing um so for example the government has brought in the skills and post-16 education act to try and increase and diversify opportunities for young people after school the act will make it so that colleges and other providers have a legal requirement to work with employers to develop skill plans so that the training offered meet the needs of that local area going back to the point on location the act will make sure all pupils meet providers of technical education so that they understand a wide range of career routes available such as apprenticeships t-levels or traineeships there is an emphasis on prioritizing green skills and the act overall aims to support transformation of current student loan system so from 2024 learners can have access to a flexible loan for higher education usable at any point in their lives so with that in mind gertrude if you were still in school what would you think of these changes and do you think these would have impacted or improved your experience I think that these changes are great because they help build like your soft skills. And I think that's a thing that the current um, education system really lacks in developing. I remember I was speaking to a student whilst I was interning and one of the students um, after the Smart Futures program had finished, they said, oh my gosh, like I've learned more here in the past two weeks than I have throughout my entire school years. And um, yeah, it just goes to show that, you know, these soft skills are really essential. And so I really think it's great that the government is really investing into building these. 
I'd also say that I'm really glad that it'll be required for students to be introduced to more non-traditional pathways such as apprenticeships because even though there are more apprenticeships I still do feel as though there's some stigma attached to them and there was a girl I was talking to and she was even telling me how she wanted to go down the apprenticeship route but she was discouraged by her college or sixth form from going down that route and so I think that the fact that the government is doing this will help remove that stigma and it will help provide young people with more opportunities. So I think it's great. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. I think all all those changes can only be positive and only put young people in a better position. Um, So that's the current situation, thinking about what's changing and what's coming up and how it might impact people. But we're going to move over to an expert perspective. So Nathaniel. We're going to let Nathaniel chat a bit more about what Safety Box is doing to support young people into the workplace. So Nathaniel, what what is it that you have found makes a crucial difference to help young people tackle these barriers? Yeah, um, you know, personal development is something which is so important with young people because oftentimes they believe that they can't do anything They put a target out there and that goal is oftentimes maybe even too far that they don't understand the steps of how to get there. So really within the work which we do with young people is providing these goals that they can actually hit by giving them pathways of ways in which they can develop themselves, achieving those steps to actually then get to that goal, understanding that, you know, there is the opportunity to go into that role by presenting individuals that have come from the same environment as them, that are cognizant of the understanding of what it's like growing up in inner city area that have attained success. For example, yesterday we had a celebration of young girls that were on a program that we did as well as young people from Approve. So we had about 30 young people in this graduation. Some of them wanted to become detectives. Some of them wanted to actually get into forensics, but because of the area that they're in, they're put off by actually working with the police by their friends and no one because of negative perception but by placing a senior black chief inspector that is one of the top three out of fifty thousand different ranked chief inspectors i mean there's only three ethnic minorities at a level to see that someone else has actually got to that position by placing that person in front of them that gives them this idea that they too can actually do that so these role models are essential and people that are credible messengers that have got a lived experience that's very similar to their own that helps them basically to to get onto this pathway as well as then the connections and the network as well of individuals that are working within the sector and within the space that can then be linked to which is exactly the same work that the ey foundation does in linking to employers it is about networks it's about giving them the skill sets to speak. It's about helping them to step into leadership. It's about them awakening that creative potential and by supporting them through these frameworks of personal development, as well as coaching and life coaching, which helps them. I mean, you have professionals which do life coaching. In fact, there are professionals that I believe need life coaching <laughs> in how to basically get better work with people, managers, you know? So, I mean, if, if, if you've got directors that are engaging in these personal development programs, that's going to help to, you know, help them to become a greater leader or a better individual. Why not have this for young people? That's exactly what we do with our Aspire Higher program. It is actually given them the, the same types of uh, curriculum learning that professionals will have to help them understand that they have the ability to, 
move forward into life, not just into work, but into life, because these are skill sets that you need for life, not just for the working place. And that helps the perception, the ideas, the hormones to flow, the feel good factor to be in them so that they are able then to succeed. Of course, you've got all the other things as well, like checking the CVs and making yeah. sure the letters look right. All of that is necessary and all of that is required. You know, they, they have to look right on paper, but it's the other part. It's that social piece. It's those social skills that are really going to help that young person to platform and to get into that job that they want and, and that they're seeking. For sure. And I think those are some really good examples of what employers can be doing and how employers can be thinking, because we, we can't forget as much as there is work to be done in school, there is also work to be done on the employer's side to completely bridge that gap. So I think there's some really, really good points that you've made there, Nathaniel. Thank you for covering that. So we are approaching towards the end and we have covered a lot. We've discussed young people's concerns about the world of work. We've looked at what's changing in the current climate and heard about how these changes could affect both young people and employers. So now we'd like to hear from you, Gertrude, on how you might be feeling at this point. Is there anything that surprised you about the chat? Anything that stuck to you and so on? I really, really liked what Nathaniel said because I never considered it as um, it's not just about who you know, but who knows you as well. And even when I pondered on that thought and even reflected on it, that's very true as well, because when I think about um, a lot of the opportunities I've been given or a lot of the spaces I've been in and a lot of the people I've been able to network with or come in contact with or build a great relationship with is due to the fact that, you know, I made myself known, but then they also remembered me because of how I presented myself or tried to reach out. And yeah, I think the statistics and knowing about the government's plan to instill more soft skills and make it compulsory for schools and for sixth forms and colleges to work with employers, I think that's great. And it makes me more optimistic for the future prospects of students. Thank you, Gertrude. Well, from EY Foundation, and I'm sure from everyone listening, I just want to say a huge thank you to both of you. You've both provided some incredible pieces of advice there, and I really hope that those listening take them away and put them into action. Thank you very much, and enjoy the rest of your week.